0: Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shaq, and this is the prime time uh. podcast from the Bros Who Think Network, bitches. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host. And as always, I am joined by Josh Simone. Y'all can find him on Twitter, at LSU Truth. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Tough loss uh, for LSU in basketball, but, you know, it's a long season,
1: so I think they'll be okay.
0: Keyword uh, losses uh, there, yep. as LSU not only falls to <sighs> all the game, which they should have won, uh, they lose to a Vanderbilt team that, look, going into that game, we said... Vanderbilt's talented can't overlook them. And what did LSU do? They overlooked them. They didn't play great perimeter defense, and they allowed Vanderbilt to get to the rim. Uh, Josh, let's go with the Vanderbilt game first. Right. What went wrong there?
1: I mean, you pretty much
0: summed it up right there. I mean, watching that game
1: was it was frustrating. You know, I, you hate to you hate to ever think a, a team that's coached by Will Wade will, will overlook them, but they overlooked them. I mean, I think they scored. What they scored? Ninety-nine or something like that. It was yep, ninety-nine regulation. Ninety-nine, and if you keep up with SEC basketball, Vanderbilt scored ninety-nine. Okay, <laughs> that's not good. So yeah, unfortunately, they overlooked them. I didn't. I didn't necessarily like the effort. I thought that it was certain players that come out and play every week with great effort, uh, Emmett Williams. But overall, it was just lackluster. Those guys were looking ahead. I don't like saying that often to these guys that play at this level, but you've seen it in that game. It was just rough. They looked ahead. They had opportunities. They got back in it. I think they took the lead there late, but they allowed Vandy to end up closing it out. Uh, it's just one of them games that happens in basketball, you know, that sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, but it's kind of with this team now, we, they're getting an identity, right? So this is kind of an identity thing that we know who they are now. And um, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Auburn
0: game, but yeah, just overall it was just a frustrating performance. Yeah. Look, they, you know, the largest lead Vanderbilt had was 13 LSU led mm-hmm. by three and that was the largest lead LSU had three point percentage Vanderbilt shot 40%. So what does that say? That says that LSU, you know, it, it was not defending the three point line. Great. Vanderbilt took 33s and made 12 of them. LSU on the other hand took eighteen. Made four of them. They shot 22% from three. And, it, and it's something that, look, they shot better at the first half against Auburn. But this team is not a three-point shooting team. And I think when they realize that is when this team will get better. Yes, yeah, so if there's an open three, I don't have a problem with you taking it. If you're Darius Days or Skylar Mays, even a guy like Javante Smart, I'm okay with taking it. And really, when Charles uh, Manning gets back, I'm okay with him taking it as well. But this team does not need to focus on that. Look, this team at the free throw line only shot seventy seven percent against Vanderbilt. They've been shooting a lot better free throw percentage wise than that. Um, I think it's something they need to work on when it comes to rebounds. look, they out rebounded them you know now they had more turnovers, but was, honestly at the end of the at the end of the day, where it shows that they lost this game wasn't that lSU didn't score enough points. They scored ninety points, right? What shows is that that LSU allowed 90 points. They allowed Vanderbilt to shoot a high percentage, not only from three, but from the field. And so, you know, that's where I'm concerned, is that you have, you know, a, a team in Vanderbilt shooting 57% uh, that hasn't been shooting that well, you know. And, and you know, you have guys that, um, you know, are starting to get into some foul trouble. You know, Emmett Williams, Darius Days, both had four fouls, as well as Skyler amazing that game. And so Skyler, you know, had portions of this game where he didn't play, where you have Marlon Taylor playing 27 minutes, uh, you have Hyatt playing 12, and and in that game you had Graves coming in playing as well. You saw him playing against Auburn. And, Mm -hmm. look, you have to have some guys play, but when you have guys getting four fouls that are are key contributors, it it hurts you at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And this really hurt LSU. And, like you said, look, that defensive effort just was not there. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's what's concerning to me.
1: Yeah, you no, know, you you know we, we both played play basketball at a decent level. That um, when when you start seeing that effort and the foul trouble, that's part of that overlooking, right? I mean, you just kind of want to win. Look, I played in those games before. I know you have too, Charles. Just kind of like, man, do we have to play this game? You know, I mean, do we have to play this before we go to Auburn? You know, it, it's just one of them games that you just don't want to be in. You know, you're about to play a good competition against Auburn and, and your defense is you just don't want to put the effort out there and you foul, you're reaching, you're just hoping you could pull it out some way, you're hoping a guy gets hot for you and carries you. But, you know, the, the, Vanderbilt's a tough, scrappy team and they showed that, man. And and, and I, I even said it after I tweeted out, props to them guys, you got to tip your cap. Those guys were not going to fold just because LSU was on their jersey. So, uh, you know, you got to give those guys some respect.
0: Let's switch it. Let's switch it to the mm-hmm. Auburn game. Like LSU loses by one. They lose at the end of the game, pretty much on a buzzer beater. I know there's point oh one seconds left, but Auburn, you know, came back with vengeance. Yes, look, they knocked down a ton of threes. We'll get into that. But initial thoughts on the Auburn game—just let me know what your thoughts were. I think initial thoughts.
1: If you listened to the previous pod, it kind of played out how we we discussed it. I really thought it was, you know, kind of how we we talked about it and the what was going to happen and Auburn's going to shoot a Auburn's going to shoot a crap load of threes. And they did. And they made 40% of them. And that's what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, and LSU was there at the end and on a road, had an opportunity to win it. And I think, you know, they, they let another lead slip by and that's, we're talking about the identity thing again. And, and, you know, they got out to a big lead. Um, I, I know we were texting in the game, Charles, and I, I was frustrated with some of the coaching, some of the coaching calls, not calling a timeout before the half. And that's you know, every coach is going to handle it different. I coach basketball for years that I would have handled it different. And I just thought it, it, it was some of the, the ways that will Wade handled the end of the games uh, is frustrating to me, but that's his way. And he's done it. And he's, he's successful at a high level. So I try not to armchair quarterback that too much. Um, yeah. It's, Auburn's a good basketball team. They got guys, a couple guys are going to play in the NBA. They can shoot lights out from a three. I just was frustrating me that they couldn't, you know, they're going to shoot the three and it just seemed like they couldn't defend the three I get it. Middle of the game. I get it. But late in the game, you know they got to shoot the three to get back into it. I just thought fight through the screens, you know, you, you keep going under these screens and they're killing you, you know, and I, I, I started to get too much into the coach side of it and, and but it, it just was there, man. I just thought the, the coaching, the lack of effort late in the game, Thought I wish you could win that game. I guess that's why it was so frustrating, Charles. What, what was your thoughts? Well, look, you know, <laughs> Yeah, same it, It's a game that I didn't
0: think LSU was going to win, right? <laughs> yeah, you did call that. I, yep. I, I did pick them to lose the game. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, the reason why it's frustrating is that LSU had the lead. They shouldn't have lost that game. Um, you know, especially after the Vanderbilt game, you're looking for a pick-me-up, and you thought this game would be that, and it wasn't. Look, this game doesn't really do much in terms of net. It doesn't, re- you know, it's a quad one loss. So, really, if anything, it, it helps you out, right? Um, and LSU's got some games to improve their seeding. This is one of those games where on the road, LSU should have won. They didn't. And if anything, I'm going to say this, that most impressive thing from that game was uh, Samir Dottie. I mean, holy crap. That dude <laughs> was knocking down threes. And, yes, look, some of them were open. Um, I'm not sure why guys like Skylar Mays are going underneath screens. Um, you know, that is something that, blew, like, blew my mind because he, as a senior, you know, seasoned vet, look, Skylar Mays had a great game offensively. You know, I, th- I thought he was doing everything that was asked of him. And, and, you know, but at the end of the day, his defense has to be there, too. And, and you know, we talked about it, and I talked about it on the radio, about how, you know, Javante has moments where you kind of – it's a yeah. face bomb. It's like, what's going on? Skyler mm-hmm. has those two. And, and, yes, they don't happen as much. But there were two plays where he went underneath the screen, and, and I just don't understand that. And, look, Doughty made a three with, with Trenton Watford in his face. And it's like, this guy shot – I think he shot 40-something percent from three. He ended up having um, 26 points against LSU, or, yeah, 45 percent from three. Uh, I mean, he's the reason why Auburn won that game Uh, because, you know, look, they win by one if it wasn't for him. Uh, there were some threes that I, Josh, it, it's like, it, it was a prayer, but at the same time the dude can shoot, you know, if yep. there's one dude that I'm excited, I would want to see in the NBA school, you know, <laughs> Samir Doughty in a, in a three point competition. Cause right. that was incredible. But you know, when it comes to other things from the game that were frustrating was LSU's inability to figure out that they've gone cold from the three point line. Mm-hmm. And it's time to attack the rim at the end of the game. The guy that I want attacking the rim is Trinidad Watford. I don't want Skylar Mays. I don't want Javante Smart having the ball in their hand when, you know, there's two seconds left. I want Trinidad Watford having the ball because even though Auburn had great size, he was still able to finish around the rim. And at least he gets fouled and you don't go to overtime because he's going to make one of those two free throws. And look, LSU had a chance to win the game and, and, you know, before they went to overtime. And they weren't able to get the ball to Watford, which I thought was a big mistake. Will Wade was upset with that last play. You know, I I think there's times when this team, players want to take the game into their individual hands. And, you know, they make the mistake, and it's really frustrating to see that. You know, you saw that with uh, Tremont Waters, you know, in his first year where he Mm -hmm. made some questionable, you know, mistakes. But then last year, it was like he was just, you know, hero ball in certain times. And LSU's had some of those games this year. Look, they've won more than lost close games, but this is one of those games that's going to hurt at the end of the season when you're trying to get one of those top you know, four a four, or five seed, and you're not going to get it because you had an opportunity to you know, beat Auburn and you lost. But more importantly, losing to Vanderbilt really kills your RPI. So, yeah. look, it's a tough week for basketball, and it's not like it's going to get any easier.
1: Yeah. What they, they head to Missouri next, right, Charles? Is that uh Yes, Missouri at home. At, at I mean, well, Missouri at,
0: comes to P to the yes, average center. Uh, yes. Missouri at home. Uh when this comes out it'll be today on Tuesday. Uh and then look, Alabama. They go to Alabama, a team that beat Auburn, a team that's played yeah. really well. You know, that's not an easy game. That's a quad win you know, quad one type game if you win. But uh it definitely isn't an easy game for LSU and they can't play like they did Against Vanderbilt, the rest of the season, and more importantly, they need to do what they did against Ole Miss, what they did against Alabama—finish games. It's what we want to see. we you know, we didn't see that against Auburn. If LSU finishes that game, you know, if they play a little bit better defense on Dotty, I'm not sure if that makes much of a difference with, with his three-point shooting, but right. you know, LSU wins that game. You know, at the end of the day, they had a chance to win at the end of overtime or in a regulation, and they couldn't get it done.
1: Yeah, just to piggyback off a little bit of what you said to go more in depth, maybe you're not into basketball as much or whatever, but you, you said something, man, that was it's just so key is to know when, to know when the three points not falling for you any, anymore and go ahead and transition your offense back to, you know, to the block through Watford, you know, get to the glass. If that's Skylar Mays, you know, slash into the goal, get into the glass, whatever that is, you have to understand as a, a good basketball teams know, Everybody's going to get hot, you know shooters are going to shoot and it, it, like they did in the first half, and they'll knock it down on some threes that's fine, like and we've talked about that before it's going to, every once in a while you're going to get hot and you're gonna hit some threes, but you also have to know, and that's where tremendous leadership not having you know having a good point guard can sense that and say, okay our our runs over you know we, we we had a nice first half, but it's not falling. Let's get back to what we do well, let's shoot some twos, let's work it through Watford. I really wanted him to get that last shot, work it through him last. Like you said, he could have at least got the file. And I know he's a freshman and, and you've been on teams of four two jaws that the, the senior, you're not trying to give it to the, to the true freshman all the time, but he's got that ability and he's got that special talent. I think we'll see him in the NBA eventually. Uh, I really would have liked to see that ball go through him. And I just, it's like they're missing that last little piece, you know, it's like they're missing that true point guard. And I know we are. Scott was more of a shooting guard. It's Got to have that sense sometimes of, okay, hold on. Time out. Let's back it out. Let's get back to what we do. Let's feed, you know, let's go inside. Let's get to the glass. Let's offensive rebound. And they just, just like you said, it's, they they sometimes just don't understand that. And you got guys like Emmett Williams jacking up three pointers, man. And it just, that's frustrating when I'm watching that, but I'll get off my soapbox now, but.
0: No, look, it's okay to be there because I agree with you there. Look, LSU built a lead because they were knocking threes down, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have liked to see more from Hyatt, but look, this is one of those games, Darius stays fouls out. I think LSU would have appreciated his ability to, you know, to score and play defense in overtime, and really the foul he fouled out on was just a dumb foul, and yep. it's something we talked about is that's a concerning thing for him is you know he gets underneath the rim playing defense, and, and he just hacks a guy you know, <laughs> and, and doesn't even foul him, really. He, he usually lets the guy make a layup, and, and so they get an and one, but... It, it that's just one of the concerning things is that they're they're look this team if they play a complete game they can beat anyone in the country. Yep. I don't think we've seen that game yet. They, no. I, I hope that they can figure that out going down the stretch. You know, as you play teams like uh, Alabama, you play Arkansas again, you play Kentucky. You know, you've got some difficult games, but winning the SEC is still there. I think Auburn will lose another game. Maybe they lose two. But the, the narrow uh, or the margin of error is. is is gone because you lost to Vanderbilt you would be up a game on Auburn and in the, in the right. SEC standings but you don't have that anymore in fact you're down a game even though you're tied in the loss column um but look you know LSU's got two more tests this week we'll, we'll see how they bounce back against uh, Missouri tonight and really that Alabama game is the one I'm looking at this week because I think that that's a game LSU could lose easily you know I think Alabama's a very talented basketball team and, you know, it's something we talked about when we looked at the matchup, uh, you know, two weeks ago, was that they attack LSU's weakness as well. They're a bad matchup for LSU. And that game being in Tuscaloosa, uh, you know, something about home court you know, you could give Alabama the advantage there.
1: Yeah, no, that, you, you, you're dead on with all that, charles Charles. Uh, yeah that's a game when you see how LSU has been playing, it it spooks me a little bit and knowing what Alabama can do. And like you said, they got their talented team. It's, but I also, with that being said, it's a game that they can lose, but it's also a game. If LSU comes and plays their game and understands who they are, I think LSU could, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU won that game by 10 points, but the little birdie on my head says that that's probably not going to happen unless this team all of a sudden this week, because of the two losses, kind of truly, you know, looks into their self and say, okay, you know, we really need to know who we are, but I just haven't seen
0: that yet. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that game goes down to the wire as well. Well, it'll be an interesting week for basketball. They Mm -hmm. look to bounce back Uh, comments from will Wade. you know, it it seems like they will, I expect them to do, to do. So, you know, this team's got everything in front of them. Like you said today, Uh, they just have to finish off the season. They have to finish strong. They have to accomplish their goals. And, and you know, winning the SEC is definitely obtainable. In um, doing so, I think LSU gets a, a four or five seed. Um, and looks to be, you know, set up for tournament play, which, Josh, that's around the corner. But yep. something that has finished, and now as we move on into the 2020 football season, it starts off with the recruiting class. want to get your uh, thoughts just on how LSU finished um, before we kind of talk about those three remaining spots.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought yeah. – I don't know. I guess you could look at it a couple different ways, right?
0: Everybody wanted the McKinley Jackson, the
1: Jordan Birch, but you know, I I know a lot of was it? I think the day before Charles, we were talking, and uh, a lot of the rumblings and sources I talked to looked like it wasn't going to happen. But um, you get McLaughlin, you get get the wide receiver from Mississippi, Alex Adams. I mean, you you know, you get get some needs. Um, I like McLaughlin at cornerback. I really like that pickup. You seen what he did, Charles, in the in the All Star game against elite talent um and he really stood out and what did you get you know you get a, a long cornerback right long six foot two athletic tall cornerback that i mean ideal Corey raymond type type cornerback so i think he's gonna he's gonna be a guy i think we look back charles and and he's gonna be not necessarily a steal, but a really nice get that uh i think some teams kind of you know overlooked a little bit he just wasn't the he got hot there for a while in recruiting and he kind of backed off if, if you don't keep up with his with recruiting um he kind of turned his nose to some of the camps, and he wasn't going to, you know, he, he believed in his ability, and that kind of hurt him a little bit that he didn't want to go to a lot of the camps. But uh, when it, you know when it came down to the game, Charles, and you've seen him in the, in the, in the All Star game, it was clear that he was one of the best cornerbacks on the field. So I like that. I really like that. Get, you know, you lose Birch after uh, I don't know what you want to call it—a soap opera, a, a drama-filled two, few days. It's been a drama-filled recruiting process. How much was that? Was Birch and his family? Probably not much of it. Rumors get swirling, you know. They, they kept things close. Uh, I think it was split. Right, LSU was a, a really nice place to be and a nice place to play college football, and it's got everything you'd ever want if you're an athlete, you know. Uh, but you know, a lot of people want to play close to home and his family. I think his mother works for the university, so I think it would truly split. I mean, from what I get talking to people and sources. I think that it was a, it was really hard decision. You know, you could go to the national championship, got coach. O. he's, he's a salesman and but or you can go to South Carolina. will will watch him even have his job next year. I think that's, I mean, that's, that would be hard, you know, but your heart is in South Carolina because your whole life you've grown up and want to play there. So unfortunately if you pick South Carolina, but you never know. It might seem in a transfer portal in a year or two, you know, we have free agency now, but uh, I, as far as the class goes overall, Charles, Charles, I don't know what your thoughts is, but, I, I love the class. I think it's a super talented class. I think Coach O is bringing in high-level talent. He's being real nitpicky on who he, who he brings in. you know. And I, I, I think this class will look back in a couple years, and this might be another staple class to have us there playing in, in the playoffs or maybe another national championship.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think that this class was good. I think what's important, what you have to look at is addressing needs, and something this class did do. Uh, I do think going forward, LSU needs to recruit offensive tackles that's going to be huge. Look, LSU's got three spots. So I think that grad transfers are really a spot that LSU's going to end up looking at, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. I know there are a few guys that are looking to get academically cleared. If they do that, you know, they'll be added to the class. If not, you know, that's another thing. And, and right. there could be a player or two that you haven't heard about that uh, may be waiting to clear academics that end up in this class. Um, you know, there's one I have in mind. But I I think that, you know, really it's going to be the grad transfers where you look to add talent, whether it be defensive linemen or that offensive tackle position, Josh. I I think that um, I saw there's a guy that played at Florida um, that's looking to follow Bo Pelini from Youngstown um, that that plays defensive line. And Mm -hmm. so I I think that that's a spot where LSU could add more guys because when you run a 4-3 rotation, it's a big, big factor. So. uh, Bringing in some more experience, even though you do have a really good defensive line class, you do want to bring in some experience of guys that have played in the college game already. Uh, Just because, you know, look, there's a big difference between a senior offensive tackle at Alabama going against a freshman from LSU. Uh, Look, LSU's freshman may be talented, but that senior's been there for a while and he knows one or two things, especially against, you know, an aggressive kid at home, which that game will be this year. But Josh, I, I think that the class was a really good class. When you go, you know, one through four looks that number one overall class by UGA, I think is incredible. It's another thing, you know. I saw they tweeted out uh three years in a row, first place. And I think Moscone clapped back at him and said, Yeah, yeah, you know, where do you keep that trophy or how many na or right, amount right. of national championships LSU's won since two thousand. Uh, but you know, it's all about what you do with the talent, how you develop it. And so the thing to watch going forward as we look more towards this twenty twenty season is the analysts they add, which they've added a few more, the coaching staff that they make changes to, uh, and we're still waiting on a passing game coordinator. So a lot is going to happen before we get into spring football. Um, And then, you know, combine comes, LSU sets a record for the most guys going to the pro day. Um, You know, even though there are a couple of guys left off, I think LSU is going to set a record for most guys drafted in a seven round draft. Um, Because I could see all 16 of those guys getting drafted, maybe even 17 to 18 guys from LSU get drafted this year. And the record's 14. So I think that – it's either 12 or 14, but I think it's 14, set by Miami. But, um, Josh, I I think that football is in a really good place. And, and, you know, the other sports at LSU are, you know, turning upwards. It's just will they achieve the same heights, you know? Yeah, no,
1: I I think – I was taking a look at the uh, next year's class, the depth chart. Uh, yesterday and a little bit today, it's the the one area like Charles you had brought up. You know, you're looking at uh, tackle um, and linebacker. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. That's the one position because of the guys turning Josh, pro.
0: Josh, yeah. We're breaking news on the podcast. LSU, according to Bruce Feldman, is hiring former Vikings, Dolphins, Lions, and Cowboys offensive coordinator Scott Linehan as the Tigers' new passing game coordinator. Okay. He has coached several pro- prolific QB wide receiver combinations in his NFL career.
1: Yeah, if he's been on that many teams, I'd have to look at the exact years. But but
0: I bet he has. Yeah, I mean, that's huge, you know. So Where's, I guess initial thoughts, you know, getting a, an NFL guy, you know, get Brady in, getting an NFL guy that's worked with quarterbacks and wide receivers, kind of like what Brady had done to do your passing game coordinator. It, does that make you feel more comfortable? knowing he's worked with talented, successful quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, not only replacing Brady, but working with a guy like Miles Brennan, who there's some question marks going on are going into next season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just pulled them up real quick, uh, Charles. So you you've got the Vikings, 02 to 04, Miami Dolphins, 05, the St. Louis Rams, 06 to 08, Detroit Lions from 09 to 13. So Calvin Johnson Cowboys, 14, Cowboys, 15, to 18. So, uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah, so, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's been in the, in the pro game for quite a long time, and he's played. Go look at those teams. You see the guys that he's been around. The Minnesota Vikings from 02 to 04, that's interesting. That's Chris Carter and, and Randy Moss days. So, um, he's been around a bit. So, that's that's great. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I think this is going to be good. You get a guy that comes in with a lot of experience. Um, and this is... People were asking me, Charles, what do I, what I truly think about, about, are they going to go after a young guy? And I I wouldn't have been surprised, but in my mind, I kept thinking, okay, well, coach E, I mean, he's kind of got the offense down now, right? I mean, he called it all year all the way to a national championship. I I don't think you need to bring in the young kid that can teach you now. I thought this, this grab was going to be a more of a little bit more of established guy. Um, And that's kind of what they went with. Probably a little bit more established than I thought, but uh, you bring in a guy who's been around, who's going to shore up, you know, a guy that Coach E can turn to and say, "Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think?" You know, and I and I think that's probably what Coach O is looking for—a rock-solid guy that's been around, that's been around the the pro game and a spread. So, I mean, I like it. What, what, what you think, Charles? What your thoughts?
0: I, I think that look, uh, you know, the question I pose is is my point is that you know where Miles Burnin I think struggled. Was the understanding of the conceptual parts of the offense, understanding mm-hmm. reading defenses and stuff like that. Because there's one thing in about Miles Burney, he's put on the weight and he's got a hell of an arm. Right. And so I don't think you see much of a drop off. Look, you're not going to have a guy throw 60 touchdowns this year. Okay. <laughs> you know, don't expect that. But a guy that throws 30 to 40, Josh, I fully expect that from Miles Burnham this year, especially when you have guys like Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase leading this wide receiver core. You know, I expect, you know, the offense to continue to progress. I think we see even more new things. And you've got a guy that's been around the NFL game and has worked with quarterbacks, and you mentioned some of the guys. I mean, that Randy Moss team with Dante Culpepper in Minnesota, they were hard to stop, you know, when it came to stopping a passing attack. And so I think these guys are going to play well off of each other, him and Insminger. Um, you know, the one thing I, I want to see is his recruiting ability. Because, right. you know, right. if there's one thing that Brady did do is he would sit and have lunch with his receivers. He was close with those guys, he could connect with them. You know, that's maybe that one benefit you have with a younger guy. What's the one, fl- you know, one fault you have with that is they're looking to progress their coaching careers. And so they don't always stick around. And so if this guy can connect with younger guys, if he can recruit well, Josh, I think it's not a home run hire, but it's a triple, you know? Yeah, no,
1: I mean, all great points, Charles. I'm just, as you're talking, I'm doing a little more, and he's he's 56 years old. Um, He actually worked as a wide receiver coach and an offensive coordinator under Nick Saban when Saban was at the Miami Dolphins. That's a little interesting uh, piece of information, you know, so that's um so he does know Saban you know he I mean he knows kind of his probably his quirks he coached with him for a couple years so you know I mean don't think O's not looking at all that stuff you know what I mean so it's it's and the Minnesota Vikings like we're looking at here Vikings you mentioned 02 to 04. he was the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers coach that was a very very prolific offense with those wide receivers like you said uh so you're talking about a guy who's been around legendary hall of fame guys and so he knows he knows what he's doing Obviously, those Vikings teams probably should have won a Super Bowl. I'll be honest with you, with Cole Pepper and the boys. So, uh, good, good stuff. I have to do some more research, but I think this is great. Oh, went with the went with the solid guy that's been doing it for a long time. Um, And like like you were just saying, like I said earlier, a guy that Coach Ensminger can, you know, if he has a question or two, maybe he's still a little uncertainty. It's only been one year. Jaws, he can swivel chair, and hey, you know, what are you thinking on this? And you're going to get a, a rock solid answer. Guy's been around coaching football for 30 years, so.
0: I like it. I like it, Jones. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And so I guess kind of going back to what you were talking about before, it's just, you know, as we're looking towards spring ball, um, what are some things that just looking at all the guys we lost mm-hmm. and going forward, what are some things that you want to see going into spring ball, not only going into spring ball, because we'll do a pod kind of going to spring ball, but throughout spring ball, you would like to see some improvements. Some guys you like to see step up that, you know, it's their time that they're going to get called on.
1: Yeah, I was looking at today, it's, it's funny you said that, and I might even get a tweet out here a little bit after the show. Um, a, a couple spots on the offensive line. I want to see Cardell Thomas, right? Uh, I want to see how he comes back from his injury. Can he be the – can he start there, one of the guard positions? Um, you know, is it, the O-line a couple of spots you lose Lewis, you lose Cushenberry, is Jason Hines, um, as we go through spring, is, he's going to be, is he going to be the center? That's what it kind of looks like when Coach O has been talking um oh said he's bigger and thicker than in Lloyd cushionberry so uh a few questions on the offensive line and obviously so you got a couple guys that are going to go high in the nfl draft you know what does lsu have right there uh the linebacker position I, I know we stopped in the middle of this that's the one like if i have one concern it's next year playing linebacker i want to know i would maybe it's just me maybe coach O'go goes somewhere else i really like one of those grad transfers if they're going to use it to go get a a seasoned linebacker you made a good point earlier is that i like a guy maybe he don't start but he's been around you know and he knows how to be a a, a college college athlete maybe he's in his fifth year you know he gets that release and a guy that you can put in there with some of the linebackers and they can watch him and he can teach he's going to play a little bit i mean that's the one concern i have next year is which lsu you're going to do a linebacker um nobody thought patrick queen I, i say nobody i just we knew he was talented, but, man, he really shot up the charts, and he looked like he was going to be a first-round pick. I don't think we were expecting that. We, most of us – I know we were, Charles, talking midway through the season. He was going to come back, you know, maybe have that year next year. Or so losing him hurts a little bit. I thought we were going to get him. But Damone Clark, you know, I, he's going to be rock solid, played well this year. But linebacker position has me a little nervous. I'd like to see some of the wide, wide receivers, Charles. Trey Palmer, what do we get from him? Does he take punts next year? Um, is that how they use in a slot? Kayshawn – Boutique is he? Uh, where how are they gonna use him? I think he's ultra talented. I think we you gotta put him on the field, right? Racing McMath, how do you use him? Uh so a lot of questions. Uh, but it's it's good questions, Sean. This is good problems to have. LSU's got so much talent in a lot of these positions, he's gotta figure out how to how to
0: use it all. Well, I will transition gears before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh didn't ask for any questions this week, but do want to talk about baseball as they take on Indiana this weekend as uh it is opening weekend in the box, something if you haven't ever been to is one of those magical cool things about uh lsu baseball so get out to a game if you can not sure if the weather's going to cooperate but um look next weekend after is, is mardi gras so this is one of those opportunities to get out there but uh looks like lsu is set on their starting lineup we'll see what happens on the weekend and who goes to the bullpen but friday night uh cole henry's going to start who was uh, huge last year like to see what he does this year uh, landon marceau is still in the starting rotation as he'll start on saturdays and A.J. Labus comes back, and he's going to be starting on Sunday. So, look, this team has five, maybe six guys that could start at other, not only collegiate programs, but SEC programs. And I truly believe they have two, if not three guys that could be Friday night starters for the bottom half, if not mid middle half of the SEC. Um, I think this team's loaded with pitching talent, and that's going to be something to watch. And another thing's to, be to watch is some of these freshmen coming in uh, and some of these transfers is you got a guy – like uh, Brock Mathis coming in, who is a, a JUCO guy, and, and, you know, he is really talented. He's going to be playing third base, uh, excited to see what he can do after two years in JUCO. A uh, freshman I think is going to get a lot of playing time is Kate Dotty. I think his bat's there, his defense isn't there. But, uh, you know, at Denham Springs, he hit five oh five as a senior, so I want to see what he can do with his bat. I want to see what this team does in you know with a new uh, hitting coach and their approach, how they how they handle that. Because look, I think LSU's got some good bats in this lineup. And, you know guys like Daniel Cabrera, Saul Garza, uh, you know uh, Drew Bianca. Uh, you know I think this team's talented when it comes to the bats. It, the question is, is will they start off slow? Will they start off hot? Can this team come together? Uh, you've seen LSU in the past in years where. You know, when they can put it together, they win championships. And I think this team has the pieces. It's just figuring that lineup out. I think there's going to take a few kinks. I think even the pitching may take a few weeks for guys to get where they're going to be come SEC play. But, I look, Josh, I'm excited for baseball. Mm-hmm. I know you don't, you don't cover baseball as much, but I'm excited to see what this team does. We'll be covering baseball and, you know, making notes about it at the end of the podcast as we continue the basketball and do some – uh, football spurts in as well but look it, it's a busy weekend um you know we don't really cover the pels but the pels have a busy weekend as well and then before you know it will be in mardi gras and uh probably won't have a podcast after that <laughs> just, just to be honest with y'all but uh josh where can people check y'all out or check you out on twitter yeah. uh, and find some of your content yeah yeah uh, you know you can always check me out on uh
1: at lsu truth uh there i'm always putting stuff out i'll be getting a couple more tweets out today which i know this will be push out tomorrow but yeah keep an eye out there and this is going to be good as the offseason rolls around recruiting you know we stay pretty busy with this uh with this stuff so i'll push out as much as i can and i like to you know, we, we talk about this a little bit, is that uh, it's, I'm a big nerd when it comes to the draft and evaluating players. That's really one of my, my true loves there. So um, I try to get out as much information as I can talking to people around the league, and just, you know, coaches and things like that. So keep an eye out for that as it gets closer to the draft and the combine. I like to get a lot of that data out, you know, so I get a lot of people that say, you know, after the LSU guys leave LSU, they don't hear much about them. So that's a little quirk. I try to get out information and even though they're going to the pros, you know, for the, for a lot of fans.
0: They enjoy that, so. Yep, well, the draft, it will be here before you know it. Look, yep. Football never ends. XFL happened. Josh, before we leave, uh, quick thoughts on XFL. Oh, I
1: enjoyed it. I tweeted out a couple times. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. I mean, I didn't sit there and watch the game, you know, there, but I, I, it was on, kind of like I watch pro baseball. I'm a big Braves fan, so I put the game on and go about my day, but I, I had the games on, and I, I paid attention, you know, as the day went about, and I enjoyed it. It was nice to have a little bit of football. The quality of football was a little low at times, Charles. I'm not going to lie that there were some things where I thought LSU probably could have beat most of those teams. But um, it's still football. I thought I enjoyed it. I liked the enthusiasm. Um, so I hope it sticks, Charles, because I always thought the NFL needed. They used to go to the Canadian Football League. I always thought they needed like a minor league because some guys are going to come out of this that NFL teams are going to grab, you know, they just needed that opportunity to, to play. So I'd like the idea. I truly hope it sticks.
0: Yeah. It's something to watch, see. And if it continues to go on, I think, look, the thing I've heard on sports radio this or today and seen on Twitter is they missed out on having New Orleans have a team. And I fully agree with that. But um, anyway, as that, that wraps up the episode, <laughs> we broke some news. We talked recruiting, basketball, and baseball as that gets kicked off this weekend. Uh, make sure you check everything out that's going on this week. It's a busy week for LSU Athletics, as it always is, uh, come this time of the year. But if you don't follow us on Twitter already, make sure you all check us out on Twitter at PrimeTime_Pod. underscore pod. Check out the Bros Who Think Network on all forms of media where you can find the podcast always titled as Primetime. But for Josh Samoyne, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week, and as always, God bless.